Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. And he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you are good and you are great. And we thank you for that. We thank you for uh, who your word says that you are. We thank you that we look forward to the day that you come and that you'll judge with righteousness, set our world right, make things the way they ought to be. God, we thank you for your creation that it shares with us, that it proclaims to your people and to the world how great and good and beautiful and creative you are. God, I thank you for this moment and this morning. Thank you for your people gathered together or watching online. Um, God, I ask right now that you would be with Michael, um, that you would be working through the preparation that he's put in to understanding your word that we as your people would be prepared to hear it and understand it and apply it to our lives. Um, God, I pray that the work that he's put in would be an honor and a glory to you and a blessing to your people. It's in all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. to uh, settle it in my mind right now with you together uh, that my hair is going to be all over the place this morning um, and just to allow myself the freedom to get over that um, and not feel self-conscious about it. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> if you were here last week, specifically towards the end of our gathering uh, when Pastor Kevin was kind of, you know, dissing my guitar, um, just kind of making fun of the crack in, in the body of that. Um, I, I'm really, I, I don't really have, just, just prepare yourself. This is going to be, this is going to be a, 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 an emotional time together that we get to share together. Um, I don't have enough words to say thank you for anybody that was a part of just blessing me with, with a new guitar. Um, yeah, really, really appreciate that. Really blessed by that. But if you were here, you heard that my wife and I are preparing to move to Morganton, North Carolina, we'll be joining Coram Deo, it's one of the Karis church plants, with the intention of leading their music ministry. And I'm excited this morning to share a bit more about that story and how it kind of unfolded, but we'll get to more of that a little bit later. But to start with our, our passage this morning, I wanted to share from the Gospel Transformation Study Bible, just by way of introducing us to this text. 
It says that the good news crosses all geographical borders and will infiltrate every people group is reason enough to rejoice all over the world. David sang this hymn as he brought back the ark to Jerusalem from Obed-Edom. His new song announces to the Jewish congregation that God is revealing his glory to the nations in a new way. The difference from this and the new song of the New Testament is the latter's clarity that the message of the cross will turn the world upside down. But both songs make it clear that God's intention is to claim the nations beyond Israel. So this is one of many psalms where a, a victory takes place and David correctly places praise and glory where it belongs, before the feet of the Almighty God. This is a song of celebration, and before we even get into the heart of the message today, we're shown this invaluable trait that shows up in the Psalms. It really shows up in all of Scripture, and we see this in many of the songs and prayers of David throughout, that the hinge upon which everything is resting is the steadfast and unchanging nature of who God is. So, in other words... Rather than being a song specifically about the victory that's experienced, this song in particular is fully just rejoicing in God. David is, is caught up in who God is. He's enveloped with God getting the glory. And this song invites everyone in the world to get caught up in worshiping the one true God. And so in Psalm 96, David is saying, Rejoice and worship the one sovereign God whose kingdom knows no limits. If you remember from our introductory sermon on the Psalms, the Psalms find their fruition, their, their proper place as the songs of Jesus. And so Psalm 96 is a great example of that. And so that's how we enter into this passage today with that understanding that, that Christ is leading us, his bride, in the singing of these songs. And we move through scripture this morning in that way and this psalm is calling us to celebrate the king and his kingdom come. We celebrate King Jesus, the king of the universe, and his limitless kingdom. That it has come and it is coming. As we spend time this morning, I just want to, I got a pretty standard uh, sermon format, three points um, that we'll kind of walk through that are implications of how we can respond to this psalm. And, and the, those three things are just sing, speak, and live. We'll start out with singing. The first one is sing. Look at verses 1 through 6. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, and strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. We celebrate Jesus and his kingdom come by singing. But you see here, even in the songs of the people of God, that it's more than just singing. These are a means to his work in the hearts of humanity. And I, I pray that we will see the importance of this. If this winter season didn't take a big enough toll on your heart, if it didn't teach you enough that 
songs with the people of God are a necessary thing for your soul. I pray this morning that God would soften your heart, that the psalm would illuminate the truth to you. We can't take our time of sung worship for granted. And I felt that in a deep, profound way this, this last season. We see in verses 1 and 2 that these songs tell of salvation. And right into verse 3, they're declaring the glory of God among the nations, the works of God to all peoples. So this is not an easy word to hear often, but, but it is a loving one that we try to impart here at Chorus that our song time is, is not primarily about you and, and your preference and your style. But it is for you in part. It's for your good, and it's for God's redemptive work of repentance in your heart and the hearts of others. So David is saying that we sing with an understanding that God is God. And when we look at like verse 5, this is, this is similar to what Jesus would say to his disciples later in Matthew chapter 10. He says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So the songs of people, uh, the songs of the people of God are showing off who God is. The people, places, and things that we cling to or hope in more than we should. Verse 5 says they're worthless. Those that we have put in the place of God, it's, it's a waste. And he says, no, rather worship the one who made the heavens. Worship the one who speaks things into existence. And so hear me, Chorus, when we sing together in the congregation, when you sing, whether you're up here or out there, it is never insignificant. God is using his people and his songs as a means to bring about redemption, and it's so much bigger than you can imagine. And his grace and glory are always like that. They're always bigger than we think. So uh, my, my first couple experiences with Chorus uh, was my last semester in college, um, in the Tiger Hotel days. But I, I think closer to how Chorus exists as it is today would, would have been when Chorus was borrowing this space. I was asked by a couple of my college friends who ended up here to, to come shoot their wedding, um, Billy and Hannah and TJ and Andy Worley. And that was really some of the first interactions I had with Chorus. Um, first times I got to meet Eric Papp, Josh Rice, just, you know, some really treasured people here at Chorus. Um, first time I got to meet Bobby. And I, I've confessed this to people that are close to me, and it's, it's, you know, it's probably not always, like, the greatest thing to confess, but I didn't really like Chorus music all that much. I didn't really, I didn't get it. I think it was, it was too good for me. Um, the, the soulful, jazzy kind of sojourn, and somehow Sufjan got worked in there every now and then. Um, I was also like really young and, and super arrogant. So fast forward to God bringing us here in, in 2015, and, and then let's go ahead and fast forward through even the first several years here, because I, I only have so much emotional capacity this morning. Um, I'm a little less arrogant now. Uh, I haven't arrived, but I thank God so much for the work that he's done in mine and my wife's hearts. This, this family with the Spirit of God, and, and yes, certainly, Chorus music has impacted us in a way we can't begin to articulate. 
what they mean to us. God has used so many songs in our time together to shatter our idolatry, to grow us closer to him, and, and certainly to comfort us in many trials. And just kind of two really flashbulb memories that stand out in my mind is one Sunday after uh, one of our miscarriages, singing Satisfied in You. sharing a moment and, and with tears of, of grief with my wife and what I think many who have gone through these kind of struggles can can articulate as a strange joy it doesn't feel like it should be there but it is so that's one of the memories but the other one is is the feeling that I know all of our hearts feel this welling up this excitement when the Eads duo is getting really quiet and then they burst into the bridge of see the conqueror singing that Jesus is alive God has done so much transformative work through singing with all of you and I love chorus and I love our canon of songs I love chorus music and it's an integral part of God's work in my heart and it certainly goes without saying that the community that we've had here has also played a major role in his work and the ways that we have had people speak into our lives. And, and that, this kind of, you know, shifting back to our passage this morning goes to our next point, which is speak. So we look at verses 7 through 10. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. So these verses put us on a course correction. As within the theme of this entire psalm, David here is saying, strength and glory are from the Lord. He alone is holy. He alone is to be feared. He alone reigns. He is the glorious, righteous judge. And so we sing and we celebrate and we rejoice, but we're also called to ascribe, to give proper credit, glory due to God alone. We're called to speak. And I think both to one another, but also pretty plainly to the nations. So as what this could look like in, in everyday life is verse 7, enabling us to be okay walking in weakness. We know we're weak, and so we're able to ascribe glory and strength to the Lord. And verse 8 reminds our hearts when we're longing for the approval of one another, when we're longing to be seen, that we don't need to grasp for that glory because it actually is owed to God. It belongs to God. And so as we disciple one another and make disciples, we walk in these truths. We remind one another of this. And as I said, verse 10 says it so plainly. Say to the nations, the Lord reigns. The message of God, the songs of God are meant to spread. The message we sing to one another over and over again, and the message we say together is, the Lord reigns. He is in control. He is the king and in charge. He does not have competition. So we start in our neighborhood, we start in our city, and this message is taken to the nations. And that's worthy of celebration, believer, because the message of this song has spanned the children of God in Israel, and because of Christ, it's reached you and me. See, when David wrote this, we are the nations that he is referring to. 
because of Christ. Jesus lived this perfect life. He died a gruesome death for our sins. He was buried and resurrected, and upon his ascension, he set forth his church, bringing to fruition the truths that we read in this psalm, the truths that are being proclaimed here. Christ first pursued us, and it's only through him that all the earth, as it says in verse 1, can sing. It's only through him that the glory of God is declared to all nations. And so we celebrate the king and his kingdom come. We sing about it, we talk about it together, and to all the earth. And we send and we go with the message that has reached us. This is why Chorus is proud to be a part of a network of churches that plant churches that plant churches. We know that God uses means to bring about his kingdom, and we're blessed to be a part of that. And this is as good a time as ever to to share a little bit more about how our, our, our journey is unfolding. When Rachel and I first moved here, it, it wasn't the smoothest transition. There were shortcomings between the two of us that combined for a really rough start, to say the least. Um, but grace upon grace, God is bigger and more powerful than our darkest sins. And by his grace, we've grown and, and he has strengthened our friendship and our marriage so much. We've been through a lot of hardships in the last six years. And I'm incredibly thankful for my wife and who God is making her. Both of us can't thank God enough for Chorus. Last fall, we were talking about our friends, the Glossons and the Maticas, and, and how we wanted to go see them. We were planning our first, in, in 10 years of marriage, just for fun vacation. As we were, let the wind die down a little bit, uh, as we were getting closer to our trip, Rachel shared a conversation that she had with Hannah. Hannah was pregnant at the time, and if you can imagine this, she was just a little bit emotional um, with that, and, you know, kind of in tears, she floated this question to Rachel, would you ever just at least think about living here? And I, I, I didn't really know why Rachel was sharing the story with me, because um, it just wouldn't have crossed my mind, and I, I said, well, what do you think of that? And she's like, I think about it. Um... My Colorado wife thinks about living someplace she's never been that is a full 13 hours further away from her family. And that was confusing to me. Um, so she said to me, you know, what about you? And I had been thinking about it a lot off and on, but I knew that God would have to lead us into that conversation um, because I didn't want to repeat history. I didn't want to just, you know, <laughs> flood my way through, you know, I think this is what God wants us to do. Um, but praise God, he led us into that conversation. So we decided to start thinking about it together and not just keeping it a secret from one another. Um, and you might be thinking that uh, we went on vacation and we saw the epic mountains of the North Carolina and that it just really sealed the deal. Um, you're, you would be partially right in that. We did, we did go on our trip. And we had a great time visiting the Glossons, the Maticas. We, we saw some of the really beautiful hills that they call mountains there. Um, but it wasn't until Sunday morning that something took place in our hearts. Something that we are so tempted to feel and think is that it's this really simple, mediocre thing. We went to church. God has built up a church in Morganton, North Carolina. 
and it just it felt like church. It didn't feel like, oh, this is really awkward. This is like a church plant, and it's no. We we were blessed to be in the midst of families singing, in the midst of hearing Billy preach. You know, all that stuff was good, but it was just this spiritual moment of feeling like we were with God's people. And after the gathering was over, without talking or planning, Rachel and I, we just kind of got to work and realized this deep love for serving, this notion that we are the church and not a building. That was ingrained into our hearts from you, Karis. We saw need, and both of us as a team could see God placing us into the life of this church. And we were blessed to sing alongside those families there, and we saw what God has already done in Morganton in building this church. And we felt called in that moment. We would find out later that we both felt in the same moment called to be a part of what he will continue to do. We are really excited about it. We can't begin to express. I can't. I can't tell you what it feels like when your spouse and you are on the same page about something that is so unique like this. We were on our way out of Morganton. We were coming back home, and I said to Rachel, I think we're supposed to be here. And she said, me too. And that was really confusing. Um, And I said, well, I think we're supposed to be here sooner than later, though. And she said, yeah. Um, It was really weird, really incredible. And so we're happy and excited, but I got, I got to tell you, when we were first here in Columbia, struggling to get plugged in, a lot of times I would, instead of pointing Rachel to Jesus, I would say, well, maybe someday we'll leave and, you know, we'll go back to Colorado or, or some kind of thing like that. You know, we'll go to some epic place. Um, there was a lot of times where it would have been very easy to leave. And in one of my more sober moments, I said, I don't think God is going to call us out of Missouri until it's hard to leave. I don't know if that was an actual prophecy that I spoke in that day, um, but wow. Yeah, it's going to be really hard. Not only when I think about the hardships that God has brought us through, using you specifically, Karis, it overwhelms me, but even more so the seasons of celebration, the ways that we've seen and watched God grow this church, grow Karis, it's, it's so incredible, and grow us closer to him through Karis. I, I don't have enough time this morning <laughs> to list off, and I, I told Rachel, I was like, this can't be like my goodbye sermon where I, I don't, yeah, I don't have enough time, and I, I don't have near enough words to say thank you to express gratitude to you and to God. So let's let's take the, a moment and step back into our psalm to close out this morning. How we sing, how we speak, and how we live. We celebrate the king and his kingdom come. And we look at verses 11 through 13. It says, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. As, as I was reading through this psalm this last week, I thought about Coram Deo a lot. The name, it means 
the presence of God or before the face of God. And the idea is that all of life is lived before the face of God. I think Psalm 96 really captures that, especially in these last verses. These last verses settle it in our hearts and minds that this rejoicing, this celebration, this joyful life that we see in Scripture for the Christian, it's all-encompassing. So we don't compartmentalize our Christianity. Christ is the point of our lives beginning to end. That's the Christian life. It's not separated. So we don't have church life and church friends and then work life and work friends. We live wholly for Jesus. And we need these psalms. We need the songs of Jesus to remind us because our hearts are incredibly prone to wander. And they close out the song with a declaration that everything points to and is purposed towards the glory of God. He is worthy and he is good. He is the righteous king that judges people in his faithfulness. So we celebrate and rejoice. His kingdom is coming and has come. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for the beauty in your creation, even though it's really cold and windy. I thank you for your faithfulness, God. I thank you for just the blessing it is to be a part of this church family. Lord, I, I ask that we would hear the truths in these psalms, Lord, that we would hear um, the joy and the celebration, God, and in spite of all of the things in our minds, all of the distractions and all the, just the harsh realities that we're living through right now, that this would be the utmost truth, that this would be the thing that really captivates us at the end of the day, that you are God, you are good, you are worthy, and you reign. Enable us, Lord, to be a people that rejoice. Enable us to as David does, just get caught up in who you are, God. Let that be what sends us into this next week and the coming months, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.